Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording here at the beginning of March to give you an update on UCLA sports. A lot going on. Some good, some bad, some exciting stuff coming up, and it's March Madness. So, March Madness at that. We're wrapping up the end of the regular season um, with a mountain trip which was a split, unfortunately, because we have two tough games coming up. But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, Utah was a pretty easy game. We got all the buckets we could get. We pretty much dominated from the beginning to end. Uh, Utah didn't seem to care, and they saved that for the USC game on Saturday, which was great to see. But we also ran into a Colorado team, which was very pesky um, and kept fighting. And, yeah, gave us very much issues and showed our weaknesses that we continue to gloat about during the season. Yeah, it was was a well-played game for, what, 36, 37 minutes. Um, I I, I wasn't as upset with that loss as other losses this season, only because we, again, I think we were coming into that game – probably already kind of fatigued from being on the road in the altitude. Um, Plus we had, obviously we have some of those injuries in play, but then we also had some weird refing going on and it just kind of put us in a funk. Um, And then obviously those turnovers at the end just, just killed us. But the biggest positive to take out of that game, I thought, and, and this was pretty encouraging for me, it was the way we played defense. Uh, we just, we played with energy and effort, and we did, we ran the, those um, defensive schemes pretty effectively for the, the most part. So I think just taking that away from that game is a positive thing. Now, it remains to be seen if we can keep playing that way, obviously, um, but, you know, the, the, the fact that we played like that and we, we showed the capability of playing that way, I think, is, is very positive. And we just need to, to make sure that we kind of make that more consistent down the, this final stretch of Pac-12 play and then the Pac-12 tor- tournament. Um, you know, obviously, Johnny Juzang has really emerged as the guy that can kind of be a go-to scorer, but we need other guys to step up. He can't do it all by himself. Uh, so, you know, guys like Hawk has and, you know, Cody Riley, obviously he needs to get more than three touches in every game. Uh, and just getting some of those guys going consistently will be will be key to, to winning some of these upcoming games. Um, but, you know, again, not the not the result we wanted but also not backbreaking we're obviously we're still in kind of the driver's seat for the pac-12 there is this pesky pac-12 uh, conference forced game against oregon tonight that got thrown in there that is a huge 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 game um but we still sit at the top of the pac-12 and you know we just need to win out which is no easy task but doable yeah i agreed i I think there's a few points um thinking about it you did message me about jalen clark and how happy you were to see him his minutes increased um in the game yeah 
I think for that, I it, it is it's good to see him. You know, he scored ten points, which I think is his season high, and we're obviously excited about him and Mac in the future of the team. But uh, we also would like to see him. I would like to see him key in on the main score on the other team and and Cronin make that adjustment because I think Tiger just was having an off day on the other side of the, the court uh, against McKinley. McKinley was getting everything. And I also think Kinley was just having his day. Um, you know, it was a combination of both, and I think that put Colorado ahead. Uh, so as long, you know, if we can make adjustments where we just key in on that guy and put someone like a Jalen Clark, I think it changes the outcome and brings us a little bit closer uh, so we can remain competitive in those last three minutes. Yeah, it, it McKinley right was just hitting everything right. So there was there was no stopping him. It was senior night. His parents were in the building. He was just having a day, and I don't think putting, you know, anyone on him would have would have stopped him. He was just hot. Um, but your point about putting Clark on on as the kind of main perimeter stopper, I think, is a good point, and I. I do love his minutes. He just comes in and injects so much energy on the defensive end of this, of the um, team that he just, he changes the game. He makes those hustle plays that I think, you know, we've seen other guys like Hawk has make, but he, he's been doing a lot of that lately. He, he gets those offensive rebounds and puts it right back up and scores those kind of those hustle points as, as you like to call them. Um, Hustle buckets. And he's... What? Hustle bucket. They're called hustle buckets. That's what I call them. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he does a lot of those little things. And he's also... He's athletic and can... And has the length and athleticism to, to play good defense. And he looks like he, he takes that as a challenge and, and plays really hard. Um, so... I think we just we need to try to get them, get him in the game a little more, and and hopefully that will eat it. It'll probably eat into um, you know guys like maybe Bernard or Kaiman or Singleton's minutes. But at this point, he's probably our best guy coming off the bench, and I'd love to see more of him in the game. Yeah, definitely agreed. And then also go check out his YouTube channel if you haven't. He has some great insight of just what it's like to be. A D1 athlete. I know we live in an era where a lot of people vlog their life, but you know it is cool to see a UCLA athlete give an honest perspective and insightful one for a freshman who's who's going in during a pandemic year. So shout out to Jalen Clark. Um, we're excited about your future as a Bruin. Yeah. Um, but. That leaves us to kind of this this Oregon game tonight, which is obviously a huge, huge, huge matchup. Um, if we win, obviously we continue on our path to the Pac-12 uh, regular season title. Uh, if we lose, it actually sort of puts Oregon in that driver's seat. So it's it's obviously there's a lot of implications here for tournament, uh, conference tournament seating, and also NCAA tournament seating. Um, you know, it goes a big way for, for recruiting, you know, have, and, and Cronin winning the conference with this group of guys would just be, a, with this group of guys, would just be a hell of a, a coaching um, feat. So, you know, we, we go into this game on the road, unfortunately, 
kind of shortening shortening this rivalry week up a little bit. Um, and and we go against a good Ducks team who has been pretty hot lately. They just beat Arizona on Monday. Um, you know they have guys like Chris Duarte who might be one of the might be the best player in the conference. Um, he's just athletic and shoot the ball plays excellent defense um so stopping him is going to be very tough and then they have a good good kind of supporting cast around him Omar Rui kind of a a 6-6 forward who can also shoot it from the outside but he's strong and kind of plays longer and bigger than he he actually is and then you have Figueroa, another forward who can who can score inside a little bit more. So, you know, it's it's a tough matchup for us because they are so quick and athletic, and we just don't have that on our team right now. Uh, this is a game that I think if we had Chris Smith, it would make a huge difference because he's the most athletic and a long guy that would be helpful on defense. What we do have, though, is some size over them. And if we can get Riley going uh, without getting in foul trouble, he can make a huge difference because I don't think the Ducks have anyone big enough to actually defend him one-on-one. So they'll have to do some, some double teaming to, to try to stop him and, and maybe try to even get Mac in there a little bit just to, to spell Riley and make sure he's not in foul trouble. I'd love to see more of him. Um, it's again it's it's a tough game on the road and that ugly court so it's it's not a gimme but it is a game that is winnable i think we can we can beat them and i think this is, it feels like a game McCronin would have this team ready for uh he's clearly been pissed off about having this this game rescheduled uh i i don't know isaiah if you've followed any of his um press conferences or remarks over the past week yeah, I think he's getting uh he's getting a rundown of how the Pac-12 works. Uh, between that and I know he made comments about the neutral game, the, or the neutral site of of Santa Cruz for Stanford. So, yeah, I can feel his irritation, especially now that this game being scheduled followed um, on the road. He he's almost like a specialist in getting guys just ready for this these types of games in a in a sort of like us versus the world mentality and instilling that and just getting them fired up to come out guns blazing. Um, and one can only hope that he is doing that with this game to have this team just absolutely ready for whatever the Ducks throw at them to, to win this. Um, I'm not saying that's enough to win this, but it will certainly help win this game. Yeah, I agree. And then we also have, I mean, outsiders game. I, I think it's going to be a battle. But even more so, looking ahead to a few ga- few days later, we have USC team that we're seeking revenge on and seems to be slumping after losing two games in the mountains. Um, and that plays a Stanford team. I believe they play actually tonight as well. Tonight. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they're gonna be playing a, a slumping Stanford team that's you know lost three in a row, but probably wants to end the season strong, um, and is looking you know to whatever case they have at this moment, try to strengthen it, strengthen it, and bolster it for attorney resume as they go into the Pac-12 tourney. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, we have 
very two tough games with big implications, and they can very much change the outlook of our seeding during a tournament, who wins the conference, our seeding during the, the actual NCAA tournament um, in a few weeks. So it's it's a pretty big night. Things are going to change over this, you know, up from now on Wednesday up to Selection Sunday. Or, yeah, Selection Sunday in two weeks. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's a big week for for the men's team. So, fingers crossed, all things go go well for them. It's uh, it's a uh, it's gonna be a nerve wracking week. Yeah, and but. I want to say with a USC preview, there's not much to it other than the fact that we gotta make sure Eddie doesn't get hot and Mobley's contained. I want to see more Mac on him and Nuwaba. Like, you know, keeping him out of the paint. I know he can shoot from the perimeter. I know that's why he's such a highly touted draft pick um, or respected draft pick. Um, But, yeah, I think there's ways to beat USC. And if we look at these other schools who are far less talented than us, they got it done. So let's let's give revenge and not, you know, lose another game to USC, which we tend to be doing um, recently. Yeah, and we there is a big factor in that game is we do have Cody Riley back, which he was not available for the first game, and just having his size and his ability to score inside, um, his like mid range game is getting to Thomas Welsh level like money. I, I it's not quite on that level, but when he shoots at it, almost certainly is going in, and so that really helps you know, open up the, the offense a little bit. And I think against Utah, he he was kind of key to to that incredible shooting night that we had is because he just was stretching them inside and out a little bit and hitting everything. It f- opened up a lot of shooters and a lot of lanes to the basket. And we weren't able to do that against Colorado as much, right? He only had three shots in that game. Um, so getting him going is going to be key to to opening up the offense and I think that that really unlocks a lot of things that we can do. And so having him back for for that game, I think will change the outcome cuz we did play fairly well against SC, a very very undermanned for most of that game. We obviously fell apart in the second half, but you know, at least half of that game we we kept up with them and we just kind of ran out of juice and um I think we can we can definitely take it to them a little bit more once we have a guy like Riley back. So, yeah, again, big week. Um, Looking forward to it. Also very nervous about it, but it should be be an exciting week. Agreed, yeah. And then that game tonight is on ESPN, I believe, and it's on 9 p.m. Yeah, I think so. 6 p.m. your time. So look out for that game. Big marquee matchup. Yeah. And um, other than that, on, on the other side of the court, um, or Mo Austin, or you know whatever you want to call it, we have the ladies who destroyed a USC team the way we like for that to happen. I believe we beat them by around forty-two points. Um, so that's exactly how we should be beating that other LA school. Um, and they did it in style. Michaela had a thirty-point triple-double, which was amazing, and Charisma Osborne and her are going to be on the short list for many end-of-the-year 
awards that are taking place, and there probably are already. I've seen they've been all Pac-12. I've seen the Naismith players finalists uh, for Michaela, so it's pretty exciting. And we have the third seed going into the tourney. I believe we play tomorrow. Um, and I don't know if we won't know who we're playing because the first round, I believe, is today. Um, so we play the winner of whoever's playing today. And, yeah, I mean, it's an open it's a pretty open tournament this year, and I'm excited to see the girls, you know, finally break into the Final Four because we haven't, I mean, you know, during Corey Close's tenure, we've seen Sweet 16s, uh, which has been great, right? But and we've seen one Elite Eight, I believe, in 2018. But let's let's try to get a little bit further into the Final Four and uh, keep that momentum going into the following year. Yeah, it's... Um... It's exciting to see them kind of go in to the conference tournament on a high um, and with such a emphatic win over a crosstown rival. So hopefully they can carry that momentum into the the uh, conference tournament and, and win it and go into the NCAA tournament with a higher seed. Um, nothing, nothing but excited to, to watch this team go into March. Yeah, the girls are doing well. They're leading the charge. Um, so hopefully, I, I I do hope that the men's have a higher seed than the girls in terms of the tournament, and we probably will. But I, I like seeing our programs are both top three and in the conference, and that's how it should be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, conference seeding will be will be key. So let's... Uh... Let's uh, root them on and this weekend, and hopefully we come out on top. Big weekend for basketball on both sides. Yeah. Um, moving, moving to the football side of things. What do we Should got? We, what do we got going on? Let's start with the bad news. Um, <laughs> I said, uh, I text Zed this. I was like, your favorite coordinator um, is retained. So as is back for a year, his contract expired. He got re-upped. Yeah, I don't have much to say other than the fact that good luck, Norwood, with another year. Continue doing your thing. It, it's so stupid. I, I I don't understand this move at all. It's incredibly idiotic, in my opinion. It just If you have to hire a second coach to fix the other coach's mistakes, why is that first coach not getting fucking fired? is and and this just feels like it happens in Chip Kelly's world or tenure all the time now right it's it feels like we finally have some positive momentum he sort of starts doing the right thing we're picking up recruits we're hiring some really exciting up and coming coaches and then he does something stupid like rehires or retains as an it just it makes zero sense. Um, and I've been very vocal in my dislike of him, and I will just leave it at that at this point. But not a great move, Chip. Not a great move at all. Very concerning. But, again, what, I mean, that's pretty much been the theme of this whole regime and this era with him. So, again, we'll, we'll try to see if what happens. I imagine he got a two-year contract. I didn't see the deal of it, but... Hopefully he, he pulls a Bible and retires before he does any more damage. Uh, I think it's too late for that. He's done enough damage here. 
Fair enough. But, um, you know, on that fact, uh, we finally got the schedule. Um, there's been a lot of scheduling news on the UCLA football front. The first one is that um, more immediate is yesterday. Uh, we got our 2021 schedule. And as expected, we got Oregon and Washington as our two Pac-12 uh, alternate or Pac-12 North alternate teams, even though we had Oregon last year, which was done on a whim. And uh, we stick to the original schedule. And I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm torn on this schedule for different reasons. Just obviously because I know the Pac-12 doesn't do any favors to to the top programs, um, but. It, you know, we're, we're set up for a lot of marquee matchups. Um, and the other thing is that we do start out week zero, which is good, because we'll have prep against a LSU team, which will be looking to bounce back from a mediocre season. And we get them in the Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, we get, we get a bye before we, we play Fresno State and finish out our out-of-conference. And we begin with Stanford. Uh, I like getting Stanford early on in the season um, versus later on. Um, I think our chances will be better when we play them in September and October uh, or early October. And so I'm happy with that. But, you know, the negatives of it also is that we have a seven-game stretch, which includes four row games, and two of the teams we're playing, Arizona and Washington, more so Washington, are going to be coming off a bye. Both teams are coming off a bye. We're the only team in the Pac-12 that are playing two teams on the road that are coming off a bye. So that's unfortunate and very frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty difficult schedule that we have. And then we play, again, USC is our second-to-last game in a year that we should be playing them as our last game. And I say that because Notre Dame is going to have um, USC – uh, you know, on the road, they're going to have them in, in uh, South Bend. So it's not one of those years where USC is, you know, having Notre Dame even for their last game. They're having BYU because they signed a new deal. Stanford and USC signed a new deal with BYU for the next five years. That has them ending the seasons where Notre Dame is an ending season. So we essentially have been subplanted to the second to last game for the next I think until 2026 or 2027. So that's very unfortunate that, uh, you know, again, these type of schedules are made prior to Jarman. Um, and, you know, this was during Larry Scott and Dan Guerrero's, but this needs to be fixed um, immediately. And when I say immediately, I mean like 2027, where we're, we're, sub, we're permanently the last, last team. Um, I'll expand more on that, you know, more so on the web space and Twitter and whatnot, but... Very frustrating that we have to deal with that again. I know that was the consistent complaint. Yeah, I mean, you also got to keep in mind these flex, these these schedules are not always fully set in stone and can be flexible. So, you know, I, I got to imagine if push comes to shove, we could try to do something in the next couple of years, maybe on the that final game scheduling. But... Yeah, I, I think that's it, it's been frustrating for fans, um, and it's got to be frustrating at this point for the, the athletic department for Jarman coming in. Um, you know, I think you made a good point about this recently. Is there's probably a lot of revenue lost in a normal year on that game, 
you know, it used to be if for anyone who grew up in Southern California who be, who went to either school, like that was a Thanksgiving kind of weekend tradition is going to that game or watching that game on TV. Like it was a, a marquee event for that long weekend. And that's why the stadium was always packed, even if the teams weren't great. Um, it just it was a it was a, a long standing kind of thing that that was on on Thanksgiving weekend, and now it's just you know UCLA is probably losing a ton of money as you've pointed out to me several times like nobody cares to go to the game against Cal the weekend after the rivalry game on Thanksgiving weekend like people just aren't gonna go as much as if it's SC playing. And so we need to figure this out for, you know, a, from a monetary perspective as well um, for the for the betterment of, of UCLA. And so um, the good news on that front, I think, is Martin Jarman seems to really be listening. Um, I know you tweeted out to him on our account uh, and he responded, and it seems like a lot of fans tweeted out about the SC game being the final game of the season and how they believe that that needs to be fixed. And it's, so it's it's definitely on his radar. It sounds like he's heard the message loud and clear, and let's see you know, what he can do in the future to, to rectify this. Um, but looking at the, the directly this current schedule... Um, how many wins do you see? And before you say twelve and zero, let's. I uh, I want to hear your actual thoughts, unless you actually really truly think twelve and zero, because I know you always are the uh, eternal optimist with the with our football team. There's a running joke amongst our friends that uh, one season I said we were going to go twelve and one. I think that was one of the Josh Rosen years. Um, you know when he came back his sophomore year, so. I've kept on to that prediction, twelve and one, including the Pac-12 championship. Um, but <laughs> I, you You're know, I, I we we might do that this season. I, you know, I'm only seeing one lost, and oh, God. it might be that Oregon one, at you know, or the Washington one. Maybe you know, we win one of those two. We split those two. Um, but today, March third, schedule release. Uh, I think we go seven and five. Um, and at best nine and then at worst five, we went with five and seven. So I'm going to stick with seven and five and then, uh, with a margin of error of two games. Um, and I, I think the toughest ones will be, well, the toss ups for me are going to be LSU. Um, I think that ASU team is going to be hungry to get revenge against us after two years. Um, and then also the Washington Oregon games, I think we're going to split those. I think more so we're going to win the Washington one, but they are coming off a bye. But that October stretch is really tough. And if we can get through that October stretch, at least two and two, I like where we are. And that means between Arizona, which I think is a definitely a win. Um, but if we get a Washington, if we go two and one versus Washington, Oregon, Utah, we're pretty good. We're in business for an eight and four record, and then Colorado, USC, Cal. Um, obviously, I'm gonna say we beat USC just because they are Helton coach and they are returning a lot of talent. But still, they are USC. It's a rivalry game, and um, but it is gonna be a tough one as well. I mean, we go two and one there. I say two and two, and then uh, yeah, and then uh, out of the first five games, I think we lose two of those, so a seven and five. 
I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, I, I'm sort of on, on track with you there. Uh, I'm not necessarily confident that we win those, that match only because we've been saying that Chip Kelly should have a winning season every season now. Um, and, and for me, if he does not win seven or eight games, he needs to go. I think that's just the bottom line at this point is we have the most returning production in the conference, uh, like top five in the country with what we're bringing back. And so if we cannot win games at a high clip this season, then Chip Kelly has no business being the head coach of UCLA for me. And I, I suspect that, you know, Martin Jarman coming from the, you know, the big football world of Ohio State uh, understands and knows this as well. And so I really, really, truly hope that Kelly can make it work this season with that. Um, but if not, then we need to move on and, and cut our losses at this point. Agreed. I mean, speaking about the future is that Jarman has gone ahead and scheduled two HBCUs who are also two FCS teams um, for 2022 and 2023. The, uh, the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're no longer that team. Oh, my gosh. We're not part of the holy trinity of three teams. Unholy trinity, honestly. They can are unholy duo now in Notre Dame and USC. But yeah, yeah, fuck both those teams. Um, yeah, now we join the ranks of Stanford and Alabama and other teams. I say Stanford because they also were one of the teams until they scheduled UC Davis, which USC almost did as well, until they backed out and flipped them for San Jose State. But back to the point is this is really cool. This was a brilliant decision by Jarman. Um, I think especially the way you know Michigan backs out for their own reasons to, to pick up another home game. Um, and they didn't see any recruiting advantages of coming out west, which was really weird to me, but whatever. Um, but we flipped it for an awesome alternative, especially in a short-term notice. I mean, we've had some cancellations, even more so Rutgers canceled on us, I think, in this... Was it this past year? Or no? It would have been 2022, I believe. Recently. But yeah, they would have been another school that canceled on us, and again, we had to flip. Or no, it would have been 2020, actually. Rutgers would have been playing 2020, and we flipped it for New Mexico State. In this case, um, we went ahead and went with two FCS schools who are HBCUs, who happen to be FCS schools with awesome halftime bands. They're going to be performing at halftime. Um, and yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, whoever's the next coach, whether it's Chip Kelly or whoever is the coach, sorry, I got a little ahead of myself, but um, this sets him up for for a good start or good momentum for Chip Kelly, like either or. And I have no problem with, with flying out, you know, and ex- giving exposure to schools that, that really need it. I mean, yeah, both of us are pretty much on the same page. Um, so, you know, I don't really cuss on this on this, this podcast, but if you really have an issue with this, go fuck off. Um because we're not for it, and uh, yeah, you can take your little four hundred dollars of donor of donor money and spend it on something more useful, like a banner trying to get Azanero fired. We'll take that. <laughs> no, man. Uh, people people have way too much time on their hands to be writing 
emails and letters and collecting signatures to to get this changed. I, I mean, frankly, let's be honest, nobody besides UCLA fans even know this trivia fact that we're one of the only schools to never have played an FCS team. Um, and let's be honest, like back in, in the 20s, we were playing like Claremont McKenna and high school teams anyway. So there, there's probably should have been an asterisk on that that uh, fact anyways. But the point is, I, I, I'm excited for this. I think it's a great move, um, both just from a, a social perspective and society perspective, but also from a PR perspective. Um, Martin Jarman's been getting a lot of love on, on, from the media for, the, for this move. Uh, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think getting those bands in there will be really, really cool for fans to see. I think it'll be a really good cultural experience. Um, and I think it'll be good for, for the players. And I think it'll be good for recruiting to kind of show players coming from different backgrounds that we're willing to be progressive and be inclusive of, of other different schools and different people. And so I think it's, it's going to be, it's a good move. Excited for it. Um, I will be there. Hopefully, Isaiah, you can make it out there for that. Uh, and yeah, it'll be it'll be a, a ton of fun. And, and obviously, there's the strength of schedule um, aspect of it, where sure it lowers it a little bit. Whatever it's, the UCLA can get all the help it need, it can get right now. And getting an additional win and kind of a tune-up game in the early season is is nothing but a good thing in my opinion. So, I'm all yeah. for it. I think I'd rather. I rather go ten and two with an easy schedule than eight and four. Or yeah, it just no. The history books don't remember the strength of schedule, and if we win our other games, um, then there's no reason to complain. We can't be just harboring on this. Just it, it, I don't know. It's just ridiculous to me to find any reason to hate on this with the current state that our our football program is, and in and especially when it hasn't affected other programs that continue on to win. I will give one example where there is concern, right? And the example is Washington. When Washington was winning at a high level, as soon as they lost one, they dropped out of the contention for playoffs, right? And I know a lot of people um, are, are worried about that because the Pac-12, in terms of its national respect, doesn't get much, right? And we don't have four or five teams. At best, we would have four teams, four to five, but... The SEC and those other schools, as soon as they beat each other, we understand how it works. The other team gets ranked. You can go from unranked to beating one SEC team to getting ranked. I get that. But with where we're at, we need as many wins as we can get. Um, and also, these teams aren't pushovers. I've seen some HBCUs really almost upset some big schools, like way bigger schools than UCLA. So I don't even want to assume it's a win. I just I like the, the move. It's brilliant. Um, it's, I don't think it's anything that's going to impact us. I, I will take, uh, an assumed win over, you know, tough stacking the deck against ourselves, which we have done, especially in the past 10 years. So all for it, hundred percent, a plus. Thank you. I'm so glad people like Martin Jarman, you know, are in the position he's in to come up with ideas like this when we, we need, you know, when we're in situations where we yeah. need to reschedule stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a good move, and it's it's exciting. Um, 
Yeah, we'll see where we're at when these games actually come come to fruition. If they come to fruition, right? Like, we don't even know. We don't things, know. Things happen. Yeah, we've been traumatized by a past year where everything is uncertain until it's certain. So, right. We'll um, Other sports. Yeah, moving, uh, moving on to to some other stuff going on um there's there's a lot of a lot of kind of winter to to spring sports going on um let's see what do we got we got softball which dropped its first game of the season but then came back and destroyed oregon um so they lost one to oregon who is ranked i think eight so it's not like they lost to a pushover team um and they almost came back and beat them and then they completely destroyed them the next day. And then were had a doubleheader with Oregon and Utah and, and destroyed Utah. Kind of came back and won that game. So, you know, a little blip on the radar, but the, the team's still playing largely very, very well. Um, and still dealing with some injuries, notably Rachel Garcia, who is, I think, has a hamstring injury. Hopefully it is not too serious. They seem to have indicated she'll be back soon, but... You know, something to keep an eye on, and we, we hope for the best for her, um, as she is obviously an incredible, incredible talent. Um, what else we got going on? Um, baseball. Uh, finally, they won their series against Irvine over the past weekend, um, and then last night against Cal State Fullerton put an absolute beatdown on them, um, winning 14 to one and just demolishing that team. Um, and they, they continue going into what is supposed to be the uh, Dodger Stadium Classic this weekend, which is not being played there, but they'll be playing Cal State Fullerton again, um, SC on Sunday. And there's one more team in there that I, that is escaping me right now. Oh, Pepperdine, I believe, on Friday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We did get a glimpse of John John Vaughns last night, um, who came in after the team was up very big. If you don't aren't familiar with John John, he is also a linebacker slash safety on the football team, a two-sport athlete. And he made a really, really great play in the outfield defensively last night. So kind of cool to see that. Um, yeah, and then yeah, uh, there's a whole... gymnastics is killing it. Black Black Excellence, Leotards. I mean, Nia Dennis is you know obviously scoring in the nines on you know everything she does, but she's doing it in style now. And Margzetta Frazier uh, was named the gymnast of the week, which is awesome to see. Our girls are just killing it. I mean, they they're top ten still. And, um, you know, but outside of that, it's, it's become a production and it's cool to see um, the backing behind and the love and support and the sustained excellence that's been yeah. carried over from uh, from Lady Val. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, what else is going on? Um, men's tennis had a little bit of a loss against SC, unfortunately, um, but they came back and beat. Um, their opponent yesterday by a huge margin, um, the women's tennis team has been playing really well. They beat SC last week. Uh, women's volleyball started off or women's beach volleyball started off this past weekend. Um, 
and they're number two in the country, and they roll they rolled two and zero so far this season, um, and they're looking very good. Uh, women's volleyball team's been playing well. The men's volleyball team has not been playing well. Um, women's soccer, I believe, is number three. After beating Arizona two to one last weekend. Yep. Um, men, men's, men's soccer, soccer. <laughs> not so well. Losing to Oregon State. So, <laughs> if you um, if you don't follow this trend, then it's pretty obvious that the women are kicking ass and the men suck at sports these days at UCLA. Um, so it uh, it's it's kind of a funny dichotomy for all those people who are always complaining about women's sports. You guys can all all suck it because. Our women are awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I'm i trying to think of some other sports. Oh, did you mention beach volleyball? Yes, we, I did. Okay, they're kicking ass. Um, I spaced out for a bit. But other than that, yeah, sports aren't full swing. Um, other than that, I think, yeah, we'll look out for the game tonight. And... Uh, we have a busy weekend and catch us next week. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and go Bruins. And we'll be signing off. Go Bruins.